This is the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, featuring talks and conversations recorded live by the Public Programs Department of California Institute of Integral Studies, a nonprofit university located in San Francisco on unceded Ramaytush Ohlone land. Fat Black people in the United States are subject to socio-politically sanctioned discrimination, abuse, condescension, and trauma. In their writing and work, Deshaun Harrison, a fat, Black, disabled trans writer and community organizer, offers an incisive, fresh, and precise exploration of anti-fatness as anti-Blackness. In this episode, Afro-Caribbean photographer, herbalist, and multidisciplinary artist Kalima Amilak joins Deshaun for a conversation about their latest book, Belly of the Beast, The Politics of Anti-Fatness as Anti-Blackness, their life and work, and how we can all work to dismantle our cultural programming to create real change. This episode was recorded during a live online event on August 19th, 2021. A transcript is available at CIISpod.com. To find out more about CIIS and public programs like this one, visit our website, CIIS.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. Hello. Hello. We meet again. <laughs> yes. I'm so, 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 so excited about this. Yes. I'm ready to hop into it. I know, right? Me too. My hands are just like... um once again um you know i want to thank you so much for um coming out with this book and with your words and with your truths you know um and like i've told you you know yesterday i feel like it's it's such a it's it's such a provocative book that really shows that it's just you know you're just really showing the elephant in the room because this is something that you know, I feel like this is not really talked about. Um, if anything, it's always swept under the rug. So I just, I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate this moment. So, okay, well, let's get, let's get into it. Um, let's do it. I wanted to start off our conversation with the first chapter in your book. Um, on Beyond Self-Love, where you discuss the concept of body positivity and how it's considered violent against the Black fag body. And honestly, it immediately made me think about, you know, the fat fashion industry and fat fat influencers and models and how that's, you know, that's trending right now because they're advocates of fat people when really it's promoting brands that are not really size inclusive. Um, and you know, I want you to talk about more about the concept of body positivity against Black fat bodies and how it is considered violent and anti-Black. Yeah. So one, um, thank you, Kalima, like just um, for agreeing to be in conversation with me and bringing your your brilliance and beauty and boldness to the conversation. I'm like really grateful. Um, and in terms of the question so so yeah so we've been like in this era this moment um of of body positivity as 
um, as a liberatory praxis, right? So much so that we have gotten books and articles and YouTube videos and 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 Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts that are designed around body positivity. Um, but the idea is that you know there there is something that the individual can do to. Um, to make their experience in the world better. And the reality is that that's not true, right? Um, and I think that it's hard for people to to sit with the fact that, you know, an, an, ind- an individual cannot change something um, that's not individualistic, right? We are being harmed by um, a, a systemic, a structural, a metaphysical violence that cannot be undone with loving ourselves that cannot be undone with having a, a bit of, of confidence one day that's fleeting, right? Because we all know that confidence is fleeting for everyone. It, it isn't something that all of us walk around with every single day at all times of the day. Um, and so, you know, if 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 our liberation is, is predicated on our ability to perform confidence, uh, then we have all already failed, right? Because again, we're not always living in, in this 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 moment of confidence or this idea of confidence, um, nor is it possible um, to fully embody confidence always and already. Um, and so I think that, you know, body positivity sort of does this this really um, irreprehensible thing uh, where it it sort of pushes us to to contextualize or, or decontextualize um, the the harm and the violence that we're experiencing that we're navigating. Um, and it doesn't ask us to contend with or to wrestle with the ways that the violence that we experience is is, is sort of seated within um, a larger harm, a larger violence um, that cannot be done away with by, um, by a, a pseudo or a, a faux love for oneself um, and one's body. Uh, and, and, and I think that the request that body positivity often makes is for us to, if we love ourselves, uh, then we don't have to uh, worry about, uh, I'll rephrase that. I think that that what body positivity requires of us um, is to place the onus on fat folks to 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 wrestle with and to um, dismantle a violence that not only did we not create, but that we also don't have the power to dismantle. Um, and it says you have to show up in in this world, um, and and despite how much the world asks you every day to kill yourself, or despite how much the world is, attempts to kill you daily, like you have to be the one who chooses to to still find love and. Con- confidence and, 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 and beauty inside of a thing that was written as, that was always understood to be um, ugly and, 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 and unlovable and, and something that should not be confident, um, which isn't to say that we can't exude confidence, right? I think so many of us are often very confident. And it is to say that whether or not you are confident does not matter because confidence is not something that that brings you to a liber uh, a liberated future, um, and I'm using that word kind of lightly. Um, nor is it something that that helps you or 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 does anything to shift the way that this violence shows up in your in your daily life. Definitely so, um, and I think like as you were saying that, I was thinking about. Um, again, like, you know, how 
now that fatness is, to me, I feel like, and I hope I'm saying this clearly, that fatness is now like constructed on a spectrum where there is now smaller fats and larger fats. And depending on where you are, it's either you're the one that is visible, whether you are a small fat, or it's someone that is, you know, like passing through the skim of their teeth, if you may. You know what I mean? When it comes to visibility um, and also inclusivity. And, I, you know, and it wasn't until I <laughs> it wasn't until I read this chapter where, you know, it, it and also, you know, you know, there's this there has been like this argument between two influencers, if you may, that that was having that, you know, discussion on social media and. You know, and it raised such a, um, in a way, it's kind of like a boycott for inclusivity within uh, plus size brands. And I feel like just overall, because of the fact that there's a spectrum that's even constructed, it still adheres to whiteness and white patriarchy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that... um there 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 is something that like that is happening now that has always happened i think but that's like um a lot more visible now in the way that fatness is dichotomized um where or dichotomized and um hierarchized where um people are are situating um a particular type of fat body over another um where they are able to um, at least locate or, or find the, the locale of, of of desire within a particular fat body that they cannot find and, and are unwilling to find in, in larger fat bodies. Um, and so I think that what, what that looks like, particularly in, in terms of fashion brands, and not that this is something that like, um, my work is necessarily on, but it's also, you know, it's unavoidable. You can't, you can't escape what's right in front of your face. And what's happening right now in fashion brands is that, you know, there, there is a push um, for, for brands to be more um, size inclusive, quote unquote. Um, but the demand is, is not necessarily to, to, to be concerned with um, the way that folks are perceiving fat folks or are engaging fat folks. And so because of that, you're allowed to bring in, in people who are existing on, this, on, the, on the smaller end of the spectrum who are, are read as or are referred to as thick, right? Or who are read as or referred to as, um, I, I think for, for some men, it would be husky or, or bigger bone and things like that. Um, and not as people who would be more immediately referred to as fat, as obese, as overweight. Um, and so because of that, I think that there is, it's just a, a, a continuation in the long line of, of um, the, the, the way that fatness has been dichotomized. Um, and, and I think that what we're witnessing in terms of like fat influences right now is that there are a lot of, of, of folks who are are navigating that space? Who have been able to build um, 
build build platforms of their own um, because there are more people than than not who are interested in in developing this politic, but that still are seated on the surface of a fat analysis that actually draws them into understanding who is or or why someone is and is not or is not you know gaining access to um, this this ability to be able to um, be be part of a brand's campaign um, to be to be a part of um, you know this sort of reimagining of of what beauty is and I, I think Lizzo says something the other day that I thought was just so brilliant where and and I'm I'm paraphrasing because I do not know um, her exact words but where she essentially named that there is a difference between you know shifting culture and and shifting the the structures that 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 help to maintain um the the oppressive nature uh that we're navigating and by that you know it's 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 cool to have to have fat folks in your brand and and to and to have you know fat folks who are gaining platforms and things of that nature to Lizzo's point what I'm what I'm really saying is that we can put particular desired um, fat bodies in front of screens all day long, um, and we can and we can say that that is um, progression, or or we can say that um, there is something you know admirable about that, or something that's that's changing the tides of of, of the violence that we've been experiencing. But so before, as long as there is a, a desirability to um, to place fat folks in or outside of, there will always be a, a, a violence that fat folks are having to navigate because of our bodies. Um, and that's maintained through the structures that that help to build these brands um, that that use, you know, quote unquote, inclusive language, and by which I mean co-op the language that we have developed and, and fleshed out on our own um, to be able to, to bring in diversity quotas and 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 therefore diversity checks um and if body positivity is said to eradicate fatness i'm curious to know in your perspective like how how should body body positivity overall be eradicated i think there are a number of um of answers to this (laughs) but i think um that there I, there will always be an iteration of body positivity, even if not by name, um, for as long as anti-fatness as anti-blackness exists, right? Which is to say that there will always be a way for people to try to um, devalue the fat body, the fat black body, um, and and place thinness, light-skinnedness, whiteness, um, and, and able-bodiedness um, over, you know, that of fat, dark-skinned, black, disabled bodies. Um, and it may not be referred to as, as body positivity. It may be referred to as something else. Uh, but for as long as there is uh, an, an anti-fatness to, 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 to exhibit, or as, as long as there is an anti-fat um, sort of mode of violence for people to enact, there will always be this this desire to dichotomize fatness and fat bodies. Um, and so I, I think that the only answer to that is 
that to rid the world of body positivity means to rid the world of anti-blackness. Um, and, and to rid the world of anti-blackness means to destroy the world. Um, and, and if that is not the end goal, if that's not what, what we were arrived to, uh, if that's not the conclusion we arrived to, then there is no way for us to ever necessarily, um, I, I, I'm gonna use this word, but I'm using it loosely. There's no way for us to recover from the violence of body positivity and and the ways that it seeks to um, ignore and erase the black fat um, in our mm-hmm. bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that you know that's clear. We 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 have continued to see the ways that folks have sat online. You know, thin folks thin and or white folks, um, thin and or white and or um, able-bodied folks or non-disabled folks who have sat online and used body positivity as sort of um, a, a, a way to, to, to gain a bit of um, attention or, or affirmation around their bodies, but who have in turn turned around and, and shit on like fat black folks, right? And fat black bodies um, who who believe in this idea that people should be able to um, exist as they are, but then are actively trying in many ways to eradicate the fatness in other people's lives and in their lives too, who don't build relationship to fat folks, who don't build relationship to fatness, um, and who still like despite what their words say, um, move with an understanding that fatness is harmful, that fatness is bad, that fatness must must be uh, eradicated. Um, And I I think that that will always be true for as long as anti-blackness exists. Yes, I... I I wholeheartedly... I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. Um, And, you know, I also... I feel like that goes into... Um, the concept of or the idea of insecurity and how you explained it in the book and I and honestly I felt so I I felt really liberated when you spoke about it because you you said it in a way where you know we should take insecurity as an adjective and how we as black indigenous fat disabled people should gravitate it as a truth and not like a self-indictment and I just yeah, I've never heard it spoken in that way. And I would love for you to explain this more because I know in the audience right now, there's a lot of black flat people. Um, and yeah, I just I just feel like it, it hasn't been explained in this way. Yeah, um, I, I think that people have long have for a long time sought to punish fat black folks for for daring to um, internalize the 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 way that they tell us um, that our bodies should die, right? Um, you know, I, I think there's this this weird um, sort of oxymoronic uh, cognitive dissonance that happens with the ways that people um, choose to day in and day out berate fat folks, um, harm fat folks, you know, um, like particularly be violent towards us in our bodies and then um, demand that we walk around with 
with no insecurities, with the confidence of of the size of the world um, in our hearts, right? Um, and I, I think that it is just another manifestation of anti-fat violence um, that 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 says that we do not have the right to to feel, and we don't have the right to feelings. Um, even though we are always and already positioned outside of the right to care. Um, and I think that that is, you know, the, the sort of, that, that is, I, I keep saying the, the, the violence or the, the, the cognitive dissonance that, that happens um, in, in the, the way that we are engaged and the way that we're expected to, to, to exist. And so what, what I'm really offering in that part of the chapter is that I don't think that there's anything wrong with us acknowledging our insecurities and standing on them. Not as a, a, a praxis, right? Not as a, a politic. I, I think it's very dangerous to use your insecurities as your politic. But I do think that there's something important about acknowledging the ways that your your insecurities are a response to um, the way that your body and your being are politicized, um, and therefore the way that that you respond to um, the violence that you are always living through. Right? I think it's impossible for people to live in a world where Every day, people seek to destroy their bodies and tell them that they must still wake up every day and love who they are and be happy about who they are and be excited about who they are um, and be confident in who they are. Um, and and I think that that's only a demand of us because of anti-Blackness in the very yes. same way that folks demand that Black folks show up every day as resilient, as powerful, as people who seek to save others, as people who seek to destroy the world on, on the behalf of others, as people who are mammified and, and made into some mules to carry other people's burdens. And and still expect us then to to be happy and 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 supportive and 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 you know discerning and all of these things that people expect of Black folks um, as we're navigating a world that seek that that continuously um, politicizes our body as a as a way to destroy our bodies, and so I think that what that means is that we have a right we have the the right the ability. And 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 should have, I think, the desire to acknowledge the insecurities for what they are, acknowledge them as a response to the harm that you've experienced, um, and allow them to be what leads you to um, a, a further development of your politic or um, a, a further a further fleshing out of your politic um, that. That helps you to to sort of situate yourself within the the center of the, the the nucleus of the heart of the violence that you have experienced and what it means to destroy that. Uh, and I I think that insecurities are are sort of like a battery in some in some ways uh, um, of doing that to help us to lead us to to that reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Yeah, I, it also, and also in that in that part of insecurity, and also like a little bit of um, the the concept of desire, it it made me think about this particular um, part where <clears throat> I had this conversation like with a friend, 
Um, and, you know, this, this person who was very close to me um, had like a conversation where they were processing um, fat people and who was attractive. And, um, you know, I'm, it, it's very, I find it just very, it's, it's hard to know that um, anti-fatness rely, um, is also like existing within Black people, um, especially because of the fact that, you know, this is, because of the fact that this is something that we're taught, you know, it's not, you know, I've, I've not only had this conversation with a friend, you know, I've also had this like within my family. Um, and, you know, I also feel like what's not also talked about is, you know, how anti-fatness is also, and also like diet culture and all the things that, you know, what we're also going to talk about is um, as a means of survival. And, um, you know, because in a way of where we're at right now, that this is how we have to live. Um, one question I do have is, can you talk about more about like destroying desire and beauty and thinness? Yes. <laughs> um, I-, I love what you just, just said about um, sort of internalizing these things as a means of survival. And I think we can get back to that in a moment. It, it, that's why it took me a minute to like respond because um, I was sitting with that. But um, in terms of, of destroying desire and, and, and beauty and, and prettiness, um, I, I think that, that that is in in line with what I said about um, body positivity. Right, that these are, but in particular with desire, beauty, prettiness, these are things that are that are created um, with the intent to um, to to subjugate uh, folks who are politically ugly. Right, uh, and by that I mean these are are structures um, that are that are created as a response to. Um, or as a product of anti-blackness, um, with with the desire to, with the desire and the ability to um, object- objectify our being um, and, and, and subjugate our bodies, um, and and force us into, you know what what they what some would like to call indentured servitude, um, otherwise known as slavery. Um, right. That would that would force us to to exist as as beings who are um, who are supposed to fight for the right to be human and always as well be excluded from that ability, um, right? As people who are you know, in, in particular for fat folks who are always supposed to um, again perform this 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 sort of confidence and 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 love for um, ourselves and our bodies while also being removed from um, being positioned outside of uh, the ability to be confident to be loved to exude love to embody love for oneself 
Um, and and I'm using love as something that is that that is and has always been taught as um, violent. Um, and so I think that what that really comes down to is 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 that there is again a, a need for us to undo anti-blackness, to destroy anti-blackness and anti-black violence, because at at the heart, and and this is what the book is really what the book is really saying is that anti-fatness is slash as anti-blackness, meaning that there is no anti-fatness without anti-black violence, um, and as such, there is there is no beauty and desire and and prettiness in the in in the way that it has been structured um, without anti-black violence, uh, and so there there is no other way then to to not experience these these forms of violence or these these forms of harm if we're not also committed to the undoing of anti-blackness and and i think that that's a very broad and vague statement to make um but i i think that it's only broad and vague to people who are unwilling to sit with um what it what it really looks like and and, and what it really means um to to analyze destruction right what does it really mean to to actually choose to destroy world in which one's body and 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 people's bodies are unable to be seen as um, deserving of or worthy of the very same things that are associated with humanness and humanity um, and and as that is the case right if that if that is something that we acknowledge this as as real or something that we are experiencing, then there is no way for for um, for any of this to be salvaged or reformed or or changed. It, it can only be destroyed. And so, the to me, that's not that's not vague. It's very specific. Um, it is it is naming that there is no other way to um, experience. Uh, whatever liberation is supposed to to look like or feel like or 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 be if we are not committed to destroying anti-blackness um what i also <clears throat> what i also found interesting um was how you explained like the diet culture complex and how it assimilates it's in a way at least how i understood it is like it assimilates itself to the gender binary and thinness and whiteness, but it's also an aspect of um, policing and imprisonment. And um, what also made me think about this was that, you know, the closet, right? The closet is still not a place that's not, it's not safe, even though if you're fat and you're black or you're, or you're gay or a combination of the three. Um, and can you tell me in terms of just like how, um, how would I say this? Um, matter of fact, okay, let me, re- let me reword. So can you explain how also like in the medical industrial complex, and like the history behind it and how it talks and how you also talk about like the idea of health and um, or actually like when because of the fact that the, the, the industrial complex is set up as 
a way to misdiagnose Black people and also basing it off of a, the idea that, um, or basing it off of um, uh, illnesses or diagnoses that Africans could not withstand. Um, can you talk more about how that like relates to, in, to insecurity? Because I feel like that's how I took it. Um, okay, so the reason why I say that I feel like it kind of relates to insecurities is because of the fact that this is still happening today, right? This is this right. is still happening today as black people or even as black fat people that, you know, um, there's no sense of there's no sense of security when it comes to the right. medical industry because of the fact that we're always being misdiagnosed, right? We're right. always having some sort of a, a, a idea, a, a hypothesis rather of what the the what the issue could be but it's never always that and always and usually it's whatever the diagnosis is is because you're fat you know what i mean um right for like it you know like for example oh um you know i don't know so one part of your leg hurts and you know you get diagnosis because it's arthritis because you're fat so you got to lose weight you know what i mean right um right so yeah so that's what I that's what yeah. I mean in terms of that. No, absolutely. I, I think not only is the black fat often misdiagnosed, but I think that the black fat is always and already undiagnosed, which which is to say that I think that even if we irrespective of what the diagnosis is, um, I don't think that it can ever necessarily be one that is that is separated from our, the, the way the way that our our black fatness exists in the world, um, especially because uh, and I think it cannot be divorced from the way that the medical industry was built, which is off of anti-black violence, right? You know, it's through the 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 ways that that white anthropologists um, and and scientists sort of you know create these entire um, conditions and 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 supposed um, diseases uh, as a way to to um, control the slave. And so I think that, you know, the black the black fat is always and already undiagnosed in that regard. Uh, And so and so, yeah, I think that that is exactly how it pours into or how it shows up in the way that black folks are oftentimes insecure about what it means to go see a doctor or go to the ER or, you know, have surgeries and whatnot. I think that a lot of of black folks are living with, especially black fat folks, are living with and through um, this very. I think some would describe it as peculiar. um, interaction with the medical industry and and how difficult it is for us to believe or, or have confidence in in the fact that these these people will not read our read our bodies either as deserving of death because we're fat or choose to 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 misdiagnosed by which I mean undiagnosed our actual um, uh, condition or 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 illness uh, because of the way that death is read onto the black fat in parentheses body um, and and so yeah I, I think that you are absolutely right that the two go hand in hand and that you know I, I think you know insecurity sort of produces or is produced by um, the, the the long long history um, that's sort of mapped out in chapter three of the book of of the way that 
that the medical industry is produced through anti-blackness. Yeah. Um, so there was, um, in the part where you talk about black fat and police, and you know, you talk about all those that have, um, that have been murdered by police. Um, and you talk, and you also talk about, you know, the black fat being police because it's meant to be caged. And for you just saying that it just also, I feel like it also just affirms how much, um, body auto- body autonomy does not exist with the person that is black and fat and right. how much our body does not belong to us from a, si- a societal yep. or like a worldly perspective. Um, yep. And again, like even through the medical industrial complex and the police, we're nothing but subjects. Um, right. And we're not even considered humans. Um, um, can you talk about the idea of like anti-fatness with black fat men or boys, especially like when it comes to the beliefs about their bodies, when it comes to the belief, when it comes to the police. Yeah. So chapter, so one, yes, I think that, that what you are, are fleshing out with, with regards to um, autonomy and the black body is really, really important. And I think a lot of um, the, 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 the black, the black, the black fat are always removed from um, autonomy, um, and I think that that brings up a lot of larger questions around, um, you know, what that what that means for our bodies and our relationship to the body. Um, but I think that's a that's a larger conversation. But um, yeah, in, in in terms of like the black fat and and policing, chapter four is all about the ways that. the black fat body is, is, or really the way that anti-fatness and anti-blackness are constructed is, is to view the black fat body always as, as violent, as animalistic, um, as, as something to be put down, as something to be caged as the beast. And because of that, and because of the violent nature, um, and, and the inherent violence of policing, and I don't use the word inherent often, um, but because of the inherent violence of policing, there is a very particular way that um, the that the black fat must be engaged by police, and and I think what I'm what I'm trying to do with the fourth chapter, um, especially in the first few pages, is is make that clear um, by mapping out the deaths that we have seen over the, the last few years from 2014 through 2020. Not, um, these are not, of course, the only deaths that we've ever seen cross our channels, but I think it's very important to sit with the fact that the, that the deaths that have been hyper-visibilized are the ones who are fat, right? The ones who, who are, are, are that much more removed from the, the, the ability to be cared for or the right to care. Um, and so because of that, you know, having our deaths play on repeat don't matter because what has happened is, is that you're showing, um, you know, a zookeeper putting down um, a, a beast uh, or, or, or a violent animal that that was always meant to be caged. Right. Um, and so I think that that 
pol- the, the violence therein or the violence of of policing and 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 the ways that it interacts with our bodies is that it is positioned or or we are positioned um as beings as things who are who are created to to be servants for who are created to um do do work for or work on the behalf of and and when and when that becomes something um that is that is tested or when that becomes something that is um no longer possible or or when um, our bodies are are seen then as a threat, which is always and already. Um, then then we have to be put down, right? We have to be euthanized. There is there is no no reckoning with that. There is no desire to see us as anything that's worth um, you know sort of negotiating with or or working with. The desire is or or the way that we're read um, through a a, a a policing lens is as as things, as animals, as beasts who have stepped out of line, who have become too violent. The, the alligator who has chomped down on the arm of, of, of their, their trainer, right? Or the bear who has decided to destroy an entire family by, by wandering into um, the, the, the lake, right? Or, or as, as, as a deer who has, who has chose to stumble onto the highway and therefore got what it deserved, right? Not as, not as people, right? But as, but as, as things who are becoming human, but are not human and cannot be human, words is Zakia Iman Jackson, um, and therefore must always be euthanized, must always be put down, must always be engaged as animalistic. And that's why you'll get people who, who like, like Darren Wilson, who will describe Mike Brown as Hulk Hogan or, or a, a beast who was able to run through bullets. Or that's why you'll get people who will describe um, Tamir Rice as uh, a, a grown man or, or a 20 year old man when he was only a teenager, right? Um, and, and really at the earliest ages of, of his teen years. Or that's why you'll get people who will describe Austin Sterling as, as someone who deserved to be shot more than, than the, the three times he was shot because even though he was already on the ground, there was no way for him to, to not survive those bullets because he was not human, right? Or, or because he was a beast. Uh, and, and so really, that chapter is what's constructing the entire uh, book by by laying out by by laying the foundation for the ways that we are engaged as beasts and beast like, um, and as and as beings who cannot be anything other than that, right? Um, and therefore must be um, put down either by police or by the medical industry or by the media or by the government or by science or by the world or by desire or by beauty, right? All these different things that are created to, to euthanize the beast, um, to, to, to put the beast in check or to kill the beast. Um, and there's no other way around it. There are only two options. And those are the two options. Um, and the moment you, you choose to step outside of that or the moment that, that it's chosen on your behalf that that no longer matters, you no longer get the right to exist even as a beast. Yeah, that is, that is, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think you made that so, I think you made that so profound um, in that chapter and, and really put things into, into perspective for me. Um, um, and also like in one particular part, I don't remember what chapter, but 
Um, it just, it also made me think about Sarah Bartman. And I think, um, you know, comparing, like not, not to compare Sarah Bartman to, um, you know, what the, the type of, um, uh, murder that has been endured to black men, but I think it just stands as a as a place where, um, you know, is it is a it's a way of like it's like capturing. Um, I don't necessarily like know how to explain it, but it's just like it's it's, it's like a game. It's kind of like a mental thing. Like it, it's, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a mental game in terms of just like how. Um, the world sees black bodies and how it's and how it's captured, um, and yeah, I think towards the end of the book where you talk about um, gender and you have those interviews with those black, fat, and trans folk, um, I felt I really enjoyed the, like reading those interviews, and I felt like I connected with some of them. Um, and you know for me it was not it was not until like 2 years ago that i um identified as non binary but i've also realized that um i was playing or i was in a way like as someone who was assigned female at birth um i was playing a role Right. I was playing a, a role that was taught um, like from my mom and in, and in terms of just like, you know, being feminine, but also knowing who I was and who I was becoming was not anything that was categorized as feminine. And although as I'm someone that is um, mass presenting somewhat now, um, I've realized that I found myself in, in, in these black queer trans spaces, but I also feel like there was a lack of desire from people, whether it was to be friends or to hook up or to dance at a party or whatever, you know, just, just socializing because I was fat, you know, and, and even as a femme, I was still undesirable with a capital D because I was fat. (laughs) Um, And what I realized in some spaces is that I am fat and black, so I will always be intimidating or I will always be body checked because, you know, all of all of the other reasons and isms. Right. Right. Um, Can you explain how um, how gender and cis heterosexism connects to anti-fatness? And and also, like, would you say that these concepts relate to body dysmorphia to the black fat trans body too? So one, I, I, I think you just explained it for me. Um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so there are, are there are a couple of scholars I, I, I cite in um, that chapter. I believe that's chapter six. Um, but the two that I always, always have to go back to because I just think that what they offered was just so profound um, is 
Horton Spillers and Judith Butler. What Judith offers is that gender is only as real as our performance, which is to say that for as long as we continue to perform gender, gender will always exist. Uh, and, and, and what Spillers says is that the black uh, is always positioned as monstrous, always removed from kinship, and as such is always removed from an ability to perform gender or to be um, to to be gender um, while also being gendered, right? Um, and so what she what she names is that um, we are ungendered. Um, and I agree with her. And I think that that to take that a step further, I think we 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 are living living that, and by we I mean fat trans folks are are living that experience, um, particularly those particularly those who um, are you know seeking to have gender affirming surgeries and things of that nature. Um, because you'll go into a doctor's office and, and tell them that this is a surgery that you want to have. Um, and they will tell you that you cannot have these surgeries because you are too fat or your BMI is too high. Right. Um, or if they do decide to, to perform those surgeries on you, they charge you thousands of dollars more than they do your thin counterpart for the very same surgery. And I think that what this means is that not only is gender a performance, but that because we are required to perform gender, even as we are always already removed from the ability to do so, fatness then is required to, to be eradicated. Um, and, 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 and when we are fat and black, we are then not allowed to to be affirmed in, in genders that were never really created to affirm us anyway, right? Which is why, um, why a lot of fat black trans mask folks have to continually be engaged as, as people who are women or people who are not men, irrespective of, of, of what surgeries they have or how they perform, or why a lot of black trans women are, have, have to be engaged particularly dark-skinned Black trans women have to be engaged as people who are not women, as people who, um, who are, are men or masculinized because of their, their dark skin and their fat body, or why people who are non-binary um, and Black, and again, particularly those who are dark-skinned, are engaged as people who, who are supposedly, um, you know, showing up as the people that, or, or the person that they were assigned at birth, the gender they were assigned at birth, um, and, and not as the being that they are, are naming themselves as in the moment. And the reason for that is because, because of the monstrosity assigned to our bodies that, that then forces us into fugitivity or forces us to be fugitives on the run, um, then because of, because of how that is assigned to us and our bodies and the way that we show up, um, 
the request or the demand is that you you then are not allowed to to be this 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 being you're not allowed to be affirmed in your body because not only is your body not or not only is the world designed to make sure that you are not affirmed in your body but that gender in particular is designed to make sure you are not affirmed in your body and i think with regards to body um body dys- dysphoria uh and and how that shows up right i think you know the the very reason why so many of us feel outside of our bodies or feel like like dysphoric about our bodies is exactly because of of the creation of gender itself which is to say that there is there would be no reason for fatness to have to be something that we have to punish to feel comfortable in our bodies if there was no gender for us to feel affirmed in in the first place and I think that that so often is something that people don't want to sit with or don't want to reckon with. But the very reason why people feel harmed by or, or, or don't uh, feel comfortable with having, you know, like a larger chest or don't feel comfortable with having a larger stomach or don't feel comfortable with having larger thighs or, or wider hips or et cetera, et cetera, is because of the way that gender is constructed and the way that we have assigned particular um, characteristics and, and, and things to a, a particular gender. And so long as your body exists under that very same category or for as long as your body shows up in that very same way, you are then positioned outside of what you what you believe is 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 the most affirming gender for you right and that is to say that people have a right to to be affirmed in their bodies for as long as gender exists right because if if gender is going to exist trans folks have the right to be able to feel comfortable in the way that the rest of the world forces us to show up what it also means though is that we have to arrive at at a place that takes us further than that that says that we have to destroy gender if we are going to ever actually be comfortable in our bodies. Because the only way to exist as, as affirmed or as comfortable in your body is to, be, is to destroy the very thing that necessitates your discomfort. And that is gender. And, and, and so if gender does not end, if we're not calling for gender's end, then we are calling for us to continue to, to be at the, at the behest of, at the, at the heart of the, the transphobic violence that we are continuously facing and the harm that comes along with existing in bodies that are, that, again, that the world is, 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 is predicated on, on destroying and, and, and is predicated on, on always seeing as as as, uh, what's the word I want to use, um, undeserving of, of being comfortable. And so I, I think that there is, fat, the way that fatness sort of, or the way that gender disrupts fatness is through that very means, is by the way that it requires that we show up in bodies that are thin or, or thin adjacent for us to be affirmed in the bodies that, 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 that we have. But it's solely because of the way that gender seeks to destroy fatness and, and seeks to disrupt fatness um, and seeks to, 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 to make us uncomfortable with our bodies, not necessarily because of, 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 gen, of our fatness, but because of the way that we have assigned particular aspects of our bodies to um, gender and gender's performance. And so I think that that is, you know, just generally how how sort of these things work together and how they harm us 
um, in 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 an anti-black way of uh, uh, of living and this this anti-black mode of violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel. I you know. I I know that you know the concept of ending gender um, is one that exists, but I also don't think that it was explained in a way that um, that also connects to black fat bodies. Um, and I think it's because of the fact that, you know, black, the black fat or the black, black fat is already ungendered. So for the fact that that notion alone are, already exists, like there is no, um, yeah, I feel, yeah, Actually, it actually just brought me to a point where I'm just like, okay, if the if the black fat body is ungendered, of course that that would mean, and especially in the world that we live in, it's like we we now have to, in order to fit in, we have to put ourselves in these boxes, aka gender, um, in order to live, like to just to just live alone. Um, right. Wow. I yeah, I didn't even think about that until until <laughs> right now. Um, I'm also curious to know in those same questions that you that you asked um, the folks in your book, can you also talk about your experience as a black, fat, queer, non-binary person entering in these spaces? <laughs> you can say a little yes. bit. You don't got to. You know what I mean. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think we have the, t- you don't have the time you, for it. We don't. But just in a nutshell. Yes. <laughs> yes. I I have um, publicly identified as non-binary now for maybe four or five years, give or take, um, maybe a little bit more than that. And um, it has been a journey. Um, it, it has been um, a, a, a journey and and. I think that people have a really hard time with conceptualizing what it means to to desire to exist in a body that is not gendered, even as we are always being ungendered. (laughs) I think people have a very hard time with that because we have been forced and told that that there that gender must be that gender must exist and and that and that we must adhere to gender's rules and gender's performances and when we choose not to when we choose to play with the performance of gender when we choose to play with the presentation of gender when we choose to play with the way that we've been taught to perform gender then we are stepping outside of the very concept of gender itself um and and i think that people have a really hard time with dealing with that because we don't know what that means or what it looks like. What do you mean you're, you're, you're non-binary? What do you mean you don't have a gender? What do you mean you want to show up in one way one day and another way the other day? What do you mean you don't want to exist in this, in this way that, as we understand it, can only be man or woman? And I think that people people struggle with that. They struggle with what what that means and, 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 and what that looks like in the long run. And so I've actually sort of stepped... I, I still use it for legibility purposes, but I've sort of stepped away from um, non-binary as an identity because 
the way that it's been co-opted by, by, by liberals and liberalism is that it sort of positions it as a third gender and not as something that's outside of gender itself. Um, and, and, and I am always, always trying to, to show up as somebody who, who, who is not gendered, who does not desire to be gendered, and, and who will tell you that I have no interest in gender itself at all. Um, and, and that has been my performance, my, my, um, experience over the last few years. And, and, you know, it's been a hard thing to navigate both in cis spaces and in, in trans spaces that are, that are created particularly for, um, folks who identify as, I guess, quote unquote, binary trans people. And I'm saying quote unquote, because I think the very idea of transness exists outside the binary in and of itself. Um, but, I think that's a different conversation, but my 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 reality has been has been hard in in either space because people have a, a really hard time um, conceptualizing or 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 sort of holding what it means to be someone who has zero interest in being read as a man or a woman, who has zero interest in showing up as a man or a woman, and who in fact desires to be to not only not show up as a man or a woman, but has no desire to show up as any gender at all. I think that's such a hard thing for people, um, especially as we are entering further into this liberal moment of of of, of gender and gendered analysis and 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 LGBTQ analysis and the way that people um, are sort of like, you know, pushing um, this this co-opted um, white or mm, pink washed experience, right, under, under this rainbow capitalism um, that we're experiencing around LGBTQ identities, um, and so I think that you know. That I I always show up as somebody who says I am queer and I am ungendered um, and and more than anything I am black right um, which is to say that I am queer and I am ungendered um, yes and 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 I I don't do the whole you know my gender is black my my sexuality is black because I that's that's not my my role per se but it is to say that how I am showing up um, is as a black subject, and and because of that, I am always removed from the ability to perform as as something um, other than than being ungendered, irrespective of how you read me or how you read my performance. And so that is to say that my experience has been all over the place, um, but it has also been one full of a lot of love and care and 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 amazingness that I've been able to 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 grab hold to in the last few years with. You know, most of my friends being um, trans and all of my friends being queer, my partner being a queer trans person and um, or. Yeah. And so I think that, like, it, it it's like a very beautiful experience I've been able to have um, that has allowed me to build community with with like minded um folks who are committed in the very same ways that I am to destroying gender. And that's all that I can hold on to, all that I desire to hold on to. True. I also feel like that's the only thing that you can hold on to. You know what I mean? Because exactly. that's the thing that is, that's the truth it, 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 in the middle of it. You know, that's the, yep. that's, yeah, that's the absolute truth. And, um, you know, as I was also reading that chapter, it just also made me think about the word queer, right? Um, knowing that it's a verb, but also, you know, it also serves as an adjective that means that is otherly, that is strange, that is odd. 
um, because I am, um, and 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 just using that word as the that meaning because I am black, I'm already queer. Because I'm fat, I'm already queer. You know, I'm already queer as it is. But you know what I mean, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just to having that kind of meaning towards what what it means to live in this black fat body is is it is something that is ungendered it is something that is otherly um and you know it will as long as these isms live is that that that's what it will always always be you know what i mean yeah we will always have to exist as the other as the other always yeah. you know um whoo we yes yeah that was <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my last question um thank you so much Deshaun. um i really appreciate this conversation with you. and you know i do hope some folks in the audience has some has some sort of relief that this book is here um yeah because yeah I think this is this is something that um and I use this for a lack of a better word liberating but also just something to um gain clarity on you know um so yeah, yeah. No I I I fully agree and thank you for um you know creating a space for um us to have such an enlightening conversation for for me as well I um think this was you know one of the the more exciting conversations for me thus far. I, I love that we spent as much time as we did talking about um, policing and gender in particular, because those are um, those conversations are my bread and butter. Um, mm-hmm. They really are. I I I, um, I I'm not saying that I am writing another book, but if I do write another book, um, there's there's going to be more more to interrogate around around gender and fatness and policing. Um, because there's this, there's so much there to uncover and to work through. Um, so yeah. thank you just for all that you offered and and um, for bringing just such a beautiful energy to the conversation. Um, I it has been um, very good for me. And so thank you to everyone who tuned in and the audience, and thank you to CIIS for having us and hosting me. Um, it means so much. Um, and I am like, you know, really, really, really grateful. So thank you, everyone. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the CIIS Public Programs Podcast. Our talks and conversations are presented live in San Francisco, California. We recognize that our university's building in San Francisco occupies traditional, unceded Ramaytush Ohlone lands. If you are interested in learning more about Native lands, languages, and territories, the website native-land.ca is a helpful resource for you to learn about and acknowledge the Indigenous land where you live. Podcast production is supervised by Kirsten Van Cleef at CIS Public Programs. Audio production is supervised by Lau Barrere at Desired Effect. The CIS Public Programs team includes Kyle DiMedio, Alex Elliott, Emlyn Guinea, Jason MacArthur, and Patty Fort. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts 
visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. CIIS Public Programs commits to use our in-person and online platforms to uplift the stories and teachings of Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, those in the LGBTQIA community, and all of those whose lives emerge from the intersections of multiple identities.